listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Find Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 as we continue on in our study here of the greatest sermon ever preached. And it's so great that it takes us many months to get through it. And today we are going to be working through a number of verses from this great and this wonderful the passage of scripture from this sermon that Jesus preached 2,000 years ago that is transforming and changing us today, and I pray it would do that in our lives this morning. You know, relationships in life can bring us great joy. In fact, some of our greatest joys that we will experience here on this earth will be because of the relationships that we get to have and get to enjoy. Even last night, being part of the Canadian marriage celebration for Josh and for Hannah, as a number of us together as a church family were all invited to be part of their special night uh, last night, celebrating what we couldn't be at. Today now is today the third month anniversary for you guys. They're so busy looking at pictures of themselves, they don't even hear. They're so much in love. Three months that they have made it today, and, and there we were celebrating, and, and, um, and, and, and these kind of things... The joy, the love that we can experience in a relationship with God uh, and, and made deeper in a relationship with others is something to rejoice over and, and to be part of uh, healthy relationships and, and to observe healthy relationships can bring such great joy to one's life. Again, some of the greatest joys that we can ever experience. And for me, personally, one of the things that gives me one of the greatest joys and, 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 and keeps me going at times in areas of ministry is when I get to see nights like last night or before the service today or after the service or before a prayer night or in the middle of a prayer night or after a prayer night, seeing people laughing and talking and fellowshipping and praying together and, and doing life together. And, and last night, pulling away from that function, just saying, Thank you, God. Thank you for love. Thank you for relationships. Just love it when we see God's people gathered together uh, on a Sunday morning or throughout the week or in a restaurant or in a coffee shop, wherever it might be that, that we get to do life together and have, have and to grow healthy relationships. I love it. Relationships are so important. They're so essential. And just as relationships can be some of our greatest joys, they can also cause some of our greatest frustrations, some of our, our greatest hurts and wounds come from the relationships that we have with other people. Whether that is at work, in the home, at school, in a marriage, in the community association we're a part of, the strata association, whatever it is. Again, great source of, of great joy, but also great frustration and hurt and fighting and betrayal. So much can happen in relationships in this way. And let's face it, folks, relationships are messy. Every relationship that we will have here on this earth will be messy at times, some more than others. And every relationship that we have, there's going to be a certain level of dysfunction. So when you say you come from a dysfunctional home, you can, you can say that with true honesty because every home, every relationship that we have has an aspect of dysfunction to it. Why? Because you're a part of it. Because I'm a part of it. Because of the sinfulness in our hearts and our selfishness and our greed or our pride or our laziness or, or our lack of love that we may show or, or whatever it might be. And yet God provides for us a way to experience true happiness in healthy relationships. And he makes a way for every relationship we have 
to not be unhealthy, but to pursue health and to experience that in a very real way. And this is, and, and the way that God provides that and makes this available for us happens through forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key to any sort of strong and healthy relationship. I encourage you to write this down in your notes and there's gonna be a bunch of things for you to write down or to take pictures of, but this one, there's no picture. It's just something you need to write down. There can be no enduring relationships without forgiveness. Get that through your head. There can be no enduring, long-lasting relationships that we can ever have without ongoing willingness to forgive and to be forgiven. No enduring relationships without forgiveness. Last Sunday, we looked at the Lord's prayer, that powerful prayer that Jesus gave to us, not as a mantra to pray, but as an example, a model for us to be able to pray. And then we spent time on Wednesday night praying through the Lord's prayer. It took us well over an hour to pray that. It wasn't just simply reciting it. It was praying into what Jesus told us and how Jesus told us to pray. And so we looked at the Lord's Supper and there was, or at the Lord's Prayer, and, and in that, he made a very important statement. And he said in verse 12, even if you want to look in, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12, we, we covered this last week, but he makes this statement in the midst of this prayer, as he told us daily that we are to forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus is telling us that daily we ought to be seeking the forgiveness of God and extending forgiveness to others. And then, just as Jesus finishes the prayer, he brings the, the prayer to, to an end, right away, in the next sentence, in the next breath, more than likely, he cycles right back to the subject of forgiveness. And he gives a fuller explanation, a details about what forgiveness is and how we ought to forgive. And so, this will be our text for today, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to read it right now, and we'll read it a number of times through the service here uh, this morning. Verse 14 of Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Those are some serious words from Jesus. And so why does he say this? Why is he, he saying this to us? Could it be that, that we might be tempted to be rebellious in this area? Why does he repeat this just shortly after stating it just a little earlier? Could it be because we're kind of prone to maybe make excuses as to making our reasons for not forgiving, for holding on to a grudge, to hold on to certain areas of bitterness and hurt? Maybe Jesus tells us again and, and, and cycles back to it is because he knows how unforgiveness hinders and even destroys relationships that we have with God and with others. Nothing will hinder a relationship greater in, in the long scheme of things if there's no willingness to ask for forgiveness and if forgiveness is not granted. And so Jesus is saying to us in the Lord's Prayer and then these two verses afterwards that forgiveness is a big deal. Forgiveness matters. And yet, so oftentimes, we tend to kind of minimize it. Ah, you know what? What I did, what I said to them wasn't that big of a deal. You know, I don't need to ask for forgiveness for them. I didn't really mean to hurt them. We, we know, I know that. They probably knew that. 
they shouldn't be so sensitive. You know, they should grow, you know, they should develop their backbone a little bit more. And, and we can easily minimize the importance of forgiveness so we don't seek it nor do we extend it. Another reason why it is a big deal is, is that oftentimes we can justify unforgiveness. We do that, don't we? Yeah, but what, 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 after what they did to me, they deserve it. I mean, they had it coming to them and, 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 and we can come up with all kinds of excuses as to why we say things or do things or don't say things or don't do things. That inner lawyer comes alive in our hearts so often when we're offended by others and instead of forgiving them, we hold on to it and so we justify unforgiveness in our heart or else another thing we do is we delay it. I know what God's word says, but I'm just going to enjoy this for a while. I'm just going to sit here in my bitterness and my unforgiveness and I'm going to hold on to it and I'm going to make them pay a little bit and, 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 and everyone's going to pay a little bit for this here. And so we will delay it. I want to make them suffer. I want them to wallow in it for a while. This is dangerous when we do this. It affects our relationships with God and with others. When we lived in Alberta, we, we lived in a community very close to a, a, one of the Canadian military bases, the Edmonton Garrison. And we would hear from military soldiers in our church how once a year they would hold this rucksack race. And this rucksack race meant that the, that the members of the military once a year would have to perform this task this as part of their physical training. And so what this involved is them putting on their full gear, their full armor, which weighed approximately... Uh, I believe about 30 or 40 pounds, depending on their size and, 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 and weight, I guess. And then they would take a rucksack, R-U-C-K, rucksack, and they would load it down with 70 pounds of heavy materials. And I'm not even sure what they put in it to make a total of 70 pounds. And so... The military members once a year with 110 pounds on their backpack would then have to march or walk or run a 16 kilometer uh, distance in two hours and 15 minutes or less. If they didn't pass that, they would have to redo it six months later. Also, in the course of that year, they would also have to do another test where they would have to do the, a fireman carry of someone their weight or more, 100 meters, and do it in less than a minute. Again, failure to, to achieve this would mean extra physical training for six months and being retested. And then again, if you fail again, retested once again and continued failure in this area could result in disciplinary action, even their outright release from the military. Could you imagine doing that sort of a, a, a race or that sort of a competition on a daily basis? No, they have to do it once a year, and these guys just would talk. They would, would not look forward to it. Well, a few of them would. They were just crazy and, 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 and loved that sort of thing. But it was a very difficult thing for them to do and, 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 and to make sure that they would do it on a daily basis. And you think, well, who would do that on a daily basis? You and I can do that on a daily basis when we choose to carry a backpack of pain. And a backpack of pain uh, that we can carry, I think we have a picture there, and, and I've lost my screen here. I'm not sure if you guys can do anything on that, but 
We can carry a backpack of pain. Uh, a broken promise can be part of that backpack of pain that we carry. We've all had that happen to us, haven't we? Where, where we've had that happen where someone has, has done something to us and, and we can't forgive or we won't forgive because of a broken promise. And when we won't forgive someone who broke a promise to us, knowing that we've broken promises to other people, it's a weight in the rucksack that weights us down. Or maybe it's a broken confidence. Someone has lied to us and betrayed your trust or your confidence, and you're still angry about it. You're not letting it go. After what they said or what they did, I told them not to tell anyone, and they did. We add another rock in our rucksack. Or a personal rejection of some sort. This may include some sort of verbal or emotional rejection that, that has taken place. Maybe there's slander or gossip or, or, or cutting remark of some sort. This can have devastating effects in our lives. Or maybe it's the backpack or the rock that we put in the rucksack of a false accusation. We are accused of some sort of wrongdoing, some sort of thing that has happened to us. It's hurt our reputation and it can damage, this sort of thing damages relationships. And so we're holding on to that false accusation that was made. Or maybe there was abuse, physical or emotional abuse of some sort, leaving various scars. And today we hate that person. We can't stand that person because of what they did. Folks, in all of these things, and there's more that we could come up with, more of these heavy rocks that we can carry, God can and God will bring healing and the ability to forgive. The ability to forgive isn't natural, it is supernatural and it comes from the hand of the Father to his children. You see, forgiveness though doesn't always mean that that relationship will always be restored. It may not go back to the place where it once was, but we can be free from the bitterness that can so easily infiltrate our lives and weigh us down. And then we can carry that bitterness. And there are people, Christian people, carrying bitterness and resentment for years and even decades, and it just can ruin a life. That's great, guys. It's working. Forgiveness doesn't always mean, though, that it's, forgiveness is not going to be easy. Someone said forgiveness is our deepest need now and for the future. We need forgiveness so much. Forgiveness is vital to our health today as well as it is essential for heaven. We're going to see that in God's word. In John Stott's book called Confess Your Sins, he quotes the head of a large British hospital, uh, uh, head uh, director of that hospital is saying, I could dismiss half my patients tomorrow if they could be assured of forgiveness. Forgiveness has a gigantic, gigantic effect on our health, on our emotional well-being, on our relationships. It can be such a weight. And Jesus is telling us here in his word that kingdom citizens, that his sons and his daughters, first of all, must receive forgiveness from him. But then, as we have received forgiveness from him, we are compelled to offer it and to receive it from others. It's a two-way street. And yet, why is it like vinegar in the mouth to say the words, I'm sorry, I was wrong, 
please forgive me. Why do we struggle with that? I mean, it hurts to say that, does it? It hurts our pride. I'm sorry I was wrong that I lashed out. I'm sorry I was wrong that I hurt you in the way. I'm sorry I was wrong that I didn't uphold my commitment to you. Why is it so hard to say, I forgive you? Again, we need to listen to the words of Jesus this morning. Verse 14, he says, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus is making a connection here between our forgiveness from God and the forgiveness that we extend to others. And that God's forgiveness hinges, it's showing, on our willingness to forgive. These are sobering words. These are important words we need to listen. And if we desire to have a meaningful, long-lasting, strong relationship with God and also with others, forgiveness needs to be in the forefront of our lives. Forgiveness that we come to God with and that we extend to others. And when we are out of sorts with God, when we are out of sorts with others, it has a great cost and effect on our lives and other relationships around us. And so this morning, our big idea, I'd encourage you to even write this down. It's rather long, but it's important. Our big idea this morning is forgiveness granted to me and extended through me are necessary and inseparable for kingdom citizens. I'll say that again. Forgiveness granted to me and extended through me are necessary and inseparable for kingdom citizens. And we're going to flush this out here in God's word this morning. And so basically from our big idea, we're going to see two main points. I'm going to give them to you and then we're going to work through the first one and then a little later on the second one. And so the first point in here is daily we must receive forgiveness from God. And then second of all, daily we must extend forgiveness to others. So let's consider the first one. Daily we must receive forgiveness from God as kingdom citizens. There's something we, we ought to do. And, and there's basically two aspects that we see when it comes to forgiveness. And again, encourage you to write some of this down because it, it takes a little bit to think through this. And I'd encourage you to go home and study this and, and, and to allow this to be something that, that you allow God to do this work in your life. And so there's really two forms of forgiveness. And you may want to, again, snap a picture or write this down as, as this is really important. So we daily receive the forgiveness of God and, and with God there are two forms of forgiveness that we see in this passage. We see it throughout scripture and, and, and there's some passages where we get to see that. Well, first of all, there's judicial forgiveness. This is the forgiveness that is granted by God who is the moral judge of the universe, who is the king of the universe, king of the world. And this is the forgiveness that he grants, the forgiveness he grants for our sins past present and future that are totally and completely forgiven forever. We are justified in this judicial act of forgiveness. We are declared righteous eternally for, eternal, for eternity's sake. And, and when we turn from our sins 
and we turn to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we understand that God gave his son to be the full and the complete satisfying sacrifice for our sins, that Jesus took the punishment we deserve for even the one sin we committed means that we're out of fellowship with God and and because the reality is there's many sins we've committed that all those sins, past, present, future, were put upon Jesus Christ, his son, and he paid the penalty for our sins. And so when the gavel drops, when we receive Christ as our Savior, we are declared righteous before God, we are justified, and we are forgiven. Judicial forgiveness is granted to us. And, and this has to do with our standing before God. Our salvation hinges on this forgiveness that we have come and we've received this forgiveness at the point of our salvation. Now, I know what some think, and I know this is fairly popular thinking or, or, or kind of thought that is going around today. Some might say, and I've had people present this to me, well, since our sins, when we were saved, past, present, future have all been dealt with, all are covered under the blood of Christ, why do I need to pray daily for the forgiveness of my sins? I've been told by Christian leaders, and you can find it through, all throughout, whether it be social media, through, through different authors and different uh, Bible so-called scholars today, that we don't need to repent anymore after we're saved, that all the sins are covered under the blood of Christ and there's no need to repent. And so people will say this prayer for, that Jesus is telling us to pray, this is for unbelievers there are those that, that, that believe this, and yet to believe that is to misinterpret very significant passages of Scripture, including the Lord's Supper here, or not the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Prayer. To take a look, for example, the very first words of the Lord's Prayer that we covered this week, or last week. It starts out by Jesus saying, Our Father, this is the prayer for someone who is a believer in Christ. The Lord's prayer is for those who are his sons and who are his daughters, who have been redeemed, who have been justified. You have to be in the family to truly be able to pray this prayer. And we covered that last week. And so just as daily we are to seek God as our dearest father, and daily we are to hallowed be his name and to worship and to revere him and, and, and to spend time just, just being transfixed by his might, his power, his greatness, his holiness, just as daily that we are to bring our needs to him, whether they be big or small, he daily tells us that we are to seek the forgiveness of God for our sins and we are also to forgive others the sins that they have committed against us. So that's judicial forgiveness. And, and, and this then takes us to another term, the parental forgiveness of God. This is, this is not about God being the righteous judge that was in the judicial. This is now God being the loving father. This is about our sanctification, about our fellowship, our intimacy, and daily cleansing from sin that is needed to enjoy a relationship with God on a daily basis. And as a child of God, we will struggle. We will battle. We'll battle and struggle with sin until the day we die. And when we do sin, it will affect our relationship with God. When we do sin, our relationship with God does not end but it is hindered. The closeness, the intimacy, there's a barrier that our sins create. It's like when a child disobeys their parents. 
Has it ever happened? Has it ever happened to any of you in this room? Yeah, it happens all the time, doesn't it? And when a child outrightly disobeys a parent, it doesn't mean that they are no longer that person's or that couple's child. No longer are they cut off from the family, but it hinders the relationship that one has within that home environment. But when forgiveness is sought and it is received, the relationship is restored. I remember as a young guy on the farm in the summers, we would spend the summer out there. And, and one time I was just learning how to drive the grain truck and I was backing it up to one of the grain uh, bins that we had. And, and there's this little machine called an auger that would then take the grain from the truck and put it up, auger it up into the grain bin. And I was backing up. I was in a bit of a hurry. It was in a bit of a slope. The brakes weren't so good. I had all the different reasons, as you can tell, what ended up happening. But I kind of lost control, went a little fast, and I ended up going way too far, backing over the hopper thing as well as just smashing into the auger and totally just bending it, destroying the auger. My dad was mad. He came, I'd never seen him that angry. And he was just ticked that I, he says, I was watching you from afar and I saw what you did and, 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 and this relation, I remember being so hurt and I remember justifying, and, and there was this big barrier in our relationship. And, and, and I'm just not recalling this as a one-time thing. This, this happened a lot. It happens in any relationship, right? But I remember, and the reason why I hold on to this and remember it is not because of the bitterness, but because of the blessedness of that time. It was a little later in the day my dad came to me, and he took the steps of humbling himself and saying, that he was sorry and asking me to forgive him. I did the same to him, but he led the charge in that. And in so many ways, folks, I look at that, and that was the day my dad became a hero in my life. Someone who I just saw as a man not proud, not so proud that he was willing to humble himself in front of his 13 or 14-year-old son. Made a huge impact in my life. Forgiveness restores relationships. I was never in that moment, maybe I didn't want to be my dad's son at that time, but that, that offense, what took place on that day, did not affect my standing with my dad. I was his son, but we were out of sorts. And there needed to be forgiveness, parental forgiveness. And when we are out of sorts with God because of our sin, it puts a barrier, it affects our lives. I've already mentioned about that statement from that medical person, uh, medical doctor, about the effect that it has on our lives that unforgiveness can have. When forgiveness is sought and received, though, a relationship is restored. This is true in a marriage, in a friendship, in the workplace, wherever it might be. There's no enduring friendships without forgiveness. We need it. And maybe you're here today, and even in your own life, you would admit that there is very little joy in your life, very little power, very little victory over sin. You're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're here in church, you're podcasting, you're serving, you're doing all of these different things, and you're wondering, what's going on? What's going on? And, and, and there are times of, of, of dry seasons in our lives, and, and there's times of spiritual battle where we're under spiritual attack. And we persevere in that. 
And we all can and we will experience that. But this time it's different and you know that there's something not right there and you're wondering what's going on. Maybe it's because you haven't been confessing your sins to the Lord. Or maybe there's one area that you aren't willing to confess. You're willing, you want to hold on to it. You want to harbor that sin, that bitterness, that, that addiction, that, that area that you know is wrong, that is an offense to God, that is hurtful towards you or towards, towards others. And you're not receiving God's forgiveness and you're not seeking the forgiveness of others. I think of David in Psalm 32, you can write that down as, as something to read, who in the midst of covering his sins, his sin of adultery, his sin of murder, he was covering it over, thinking he was getting away from it. But then we see a little snapshot into his life and he even says that while he was holding on to his sins as he was harboring, as he's covering over his sins, his body was wasting away, his bones, he says, were wasting away, groaning all day long. The agony physically, emotionally, Spiritually, that happens when we are living with unforgiveness in our hearts towards God or towards others. And, and this is why Jesus told us to be praying on a daily basis, forgive us our sins and forgive us so that our relationship with others is not affected. We're not living out 1 John 1, 9. We need to be living that out on a daily on an hourly basis. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All. Nothing will, will sap our spiritual strength and joy and victory than covering over our sins, holding on to bitterness, retaliation in our hearts. In John 13, the, again, you see those references there and, and, and encourage you to read this. I'll just quickly reference it. In, in, in John 13, we get a picture of the daily cleansing, but we also see the overall cleansing that ends up taking place. We see judicial and we see parental forgiveness there. Here we have this scene of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And as he's washing their feet, prior to that, they had been fighting and arguing over who was going to, you know, sit next to Jesus on the, on the throne and, and who was going to do this and who was going to do that. And they were too proud. And, 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 and Peter is all of a sudden feeling rather convicted and realizing, the rabbi shouldn't be doing this. Why is Jesus doing he, Hey, what's going on here? This shouldn't be happening. And, and so he, he, he starts feeling guilty about it. And he says, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says to him, he says, well, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, then you will have no part, then, then you will have no part of me. And then Peter says, well, then wash my head, wash my hands, wash all of me, because I, I, I don't want that to happen. And here we see Jesus saying to Peter, though, he says, but Peter, you are already clean. You've already been forgiven. You are already redeemed. You are already a child of God. You're only made righteous once. You only need the spiritual bath once. But here today, you need to have your feet clean because of the dirt and the dust and the grime of your sinful heart and because of the dirt and the dust and the grime and the sin and the temptation in the world. And so daily, we see, we see the judicial forgiveness that Jesus refers to and we also see this daily cleansing, this parental forgiveness. We are saved once we have that spiritual bath where we have been washed, where we've been cleansed. But we need to come daily to our Father in heaven who loves us, our dearest Father, and ask for his forgiveness. 
This is the judicial, the parental forgiveness. And so daily we receive forgiveness from God through the confession of our sins. But then second of all, second point here today is that daily we must extend forgiveness to others. Daily we must extend it to others. Look, look again what Jesus is saying. I'm going to read this passage again. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We're asking God to forgive us, or asking God to forgive us is matched only by our, also, or is matched by our ability to forgive others. God's forgiveness and the forgiveness of others. Daily we need God's forgiveness because daily we fall short. And daily people will do the same to us. And daily we will do the same to them. And just as God forgives us on a daily basis, we also need to forgive others on a daily basis. Kingdom people forgive. God's people, one of the greatest things we should be known as are some of the greatest forgivers. But it's not easy. It's a process. And oftentimes we can't do it on our own. We need others around us, standing with us, praying with us. Not encouraging us or enabling us to, to walk in areas of, of bitterness and resentment, but that will point us to the word of God and point us to what Jesus says here that we should forgive and we ought to forgive. But sadly, sadly and dangerously, when someone refuses to forgive, someone will not forgive, it's an indicator of something serious going on in their heart. And it can be a very serious issue. Not always, but it can be. And that is, if someone is unwilling and calls himself a believer in Christ, but is unwilling to forgive another person for what they have done towards us, it could easily mean that they don't truly understand the grace and the forgiveness of God in their lives. Here's what John Piper says. If the forgiveness that we received at the cost of the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is so ineffective in our hearts that we are bent on holding unforgiving grudges and bitterness against someone we are not a good tree. We may not be saved. We don't cherish, we don't cherish forgiveness. If we don't cherish forgiveness, if we don't trust in his forgiveness, if we don't embrace and treasure this forgiveness, we are hypocrites. We are just mouthing. We haven't ever felt the piercing, joyful wonder that God paid in the life of his son. Forgiven people forgive. And when we have been forgiven of much, we will forgive others of little and of much. Here's some symptoms, perhaps, of unforgiveness. Here, here's some things to kind of check, check your heart and, and, and to see where you're, at, where you're at. First one might be this, a symptom of unforgiveness. You remember the details with such clarity. You remember dates times, exact words, phrases. You remember the details just like it was yesterday. I mean, if someone asks you about it, you can just recall it just like this. And then they did this. And then they said this. And then this happened. And you just have it down in your mind. And, and when it comes to Bible memory, you stink. But when it comes to this, you've got it down. Have you ever been like that? Hold on to an offense and you just remember it with such clarity? Oh, may we grow in our understanding of God's forgiveness. The Bible says that he will remember our sins no more. 
as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. He will, it, God's word says, he will pass by our iniquities. He will bury them in the depths of the sea. And it doesn't take much to, to lose something in the depths of the sea. If a number of years ago we were in, in Cuba and we were having this great time as a family and, and Nate had this, this wonderful little wawoba ball that we would throw. It, it kind of bounces on the water and we would throw it and the water was calm. It would go so far and we were having fun with it. Well, at one point Nate just thought, I'm just going to hide it here. He was standing. We were all standing together. He put it on, in the sand somewhere and just kind of was standing on it. And then all of a sudden, he's frantically going around looking and trying to find it. We searched, I think, for probably an hour in all of this region, digging it up, trying to find it. We couldn't find it because it got buried, not even in the depths of the sea, and we couldn't even find that wawoba ball. We had no idea what was happening. Well, when we confess our sins, our God takes and he buries our sin in the depth of the sea, and the depth of the sea, it's pretty deep. He buries it there. And we ought to do the same. But a symptom of an unforgiving heart is that we can remember the details of what happened with such clarity. Or second of all, you are eager to see the offender fall. Oh, to you, revenge is a dish best served cold. And you can't wait to see their chickens or their... What's that statement? The rooster, the chicken hatching, you're going to see your chickens hatch, some, I don't know, whatever. They just can't wait to see their enemy fall. They're going to just can't wait for that to happen. Or, or a third one, you separate and divide. You cut off relationships. You end it. You say, we're done. It's over. There are times when relationships ought to end biblically, when there is abuse, when there is deep hurt. When, and even at times when there's differences of opinion that a friendship that was one time close may never ever be the same again. And a relationship will end. However, it doesn't mean that in the midst of that that we are to harbor unforgiveness and bitterness. We've all had, and I'm sure you've had it. We've had it happen. I've had it happen over and over again in my life. People who were once close to us betray say hurtful or damaging or doing certain things that, that it was just like, what's with that? We've all had it and it will continue to happen sadly in our lives. And that friendship will be forever affected, but I don't have to hold on to bitterness or resentment because of what happened. There can be forgiveness. Even if that person isn't willing to ask for forgiveness, I can forgive them. I can set them free in my heart. I can have it right between me and God that I've taken care of my responsibility and I leave them in God's hands. But there's also an action a little later on that we can take to folks like that. There's a way that we can get them. We can get them good. We'll get to that in a moment. But another symptom of unforgiveness is you do whatever you can to make their lives miserable. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. Hurt people hurt. You made me suffer, I'll make you pay. We can be so vindictive and so good in our plotting of our revenge or ways that we can make life difficult for them. But what did Jesus do? What example did he set? First Peter 2, 23, it says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Responding to injustice 
is so important in our lives. And, 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 and we're going to just take a look here just quickly. Again, I encourage you to write some of this down and then do some Bible study this week. And, and there's some references for you to look at. We're going to just take quickly a few lessons from the life of Joseph. He's one of my favorite Old Testament characters in the Bible. A dreamer in a dysfunctional home. And yet, we see how he responds to injustice in his life. He had been sold into slavery by his very own brothers, rejected by them. But instead of allowing the circumstances and allowing bitterness to set in and take control of his life, what does he do? He moves on with it and he allows forgiveness and he allows God to do a great work. And the first thing that we see in, in the life of Joseph, um, if we go to this slide right now, first of all, we choose to live in the present, not the past. That's what Joseph did. He was released from prison. Remember, he spent years in jail for something he didn't even do, and yet he's thrown into prison, and he's there, and he continued to serve the Lord in the prison, and then when he got out, he didn't go and look for ways to exact revenge or to prove himself. He just continued to do what God enabled and allowed him to do. Second of all, responding to injustice, choose to free those who have injured you. In Genesis 45, Joseph could have easily used his position to get even with his brothers when they came to him looking for food because of the great famine that was taking place in the land. They never asked for forgiveness. They didn't even know who he was. But he got the sense that they weren't seeking. I mean, they didn't even think he was alive, but they, he set them free. See, a little later on, he does something, but first, before we get to that one, we're going to see number three. Remember that in the injustice, God is present. Over and over throughout Joseph's life, he continued to trust God. He knew that God saw everything, God heard everything, and he knew that God cared and God would see him through, that God is sovereign over the injustice that has happened to us. And he can and he will use everything that has happened in our lives for his good towards a higher end if we allow him and if we trust him through it. And this is the difficult one, but it's so necessary because it is a sign that forgiveness has taken place. Choose to bless those who have wronged you. When we are able to bless, when we are able to pray, when we are able to give to people who have hurt us and wronged us, rather than seeking revenge, forgiveness is taking place in our heart. He could have sent them home forgiven. He could have forgiven them and said, yeah, I'm sorry for what you have done. But no, instead he, he loaded them up with food and with supplies and then he offered them basically a seat at the table. A guy by the name of Erwin Lutzer said this, you will never get at the root of bitterness until you can bless those who have wronged you. It has the power to set you free when we bless others. And then number five, choose not to retaliate. 30 years had gone by. Joseph sold into slavery. So much could have happened, and yet he didn't retaliate. Instead, he gave them a seat at the table. He knew that one day God would open the books. And folks, one day God's justice will reign supreme. Every once in a while we see the justice being rolled out here on this earth, but one day every book will be open. Every motive, every action, every injustice will be seen and will be judged and punished by God. This past week, our daughter was home from Calgary visiting for a few days on her reading break from, from school. And as we were driving home one night with her, she started asking a few questions 
about a certain event that had taken place in our lives, in our ministry life, a number of years ago, in a very difficult season of ministry from, uh, that we walked through that taught us it was so difficult, but was also so rich in God's grace and God's learning for our lives and God's provision. Our kids were younger at that time, and so we wanted to kind of shield them from a lot of the politics and a lot of things that were going on. We wanted them to still love the body of Christ the best that they could and, and not be affected by some of the things that were taking place. And we knew that when they were older, we would have some long conversations with them from time to time. And this past week, that happened uh, once again with our daughter. She knew some of, some of the details, but we just got talking about some of it once again. And as we talked, it was amazing how fuzzy most of our memories were of the details. How, how it took energy to kind of recall and try to piece together certain things that happened. And, and yet, even afterwards, as we kind of shared some of this with Clarice, um, Charlotte said as we were pulling up towards home, she says, oh, it's been a while since my stomach kind of felt kind of, just kind of felt kind of gross in, in, in just remembering some of those things. That there is hurt, there is there are the wounds that come and sometimes as we talk and as we think about they can be reopened or else we can also look at God's healing. Then I got, I remembered shortly after that about some other significant event that took place. There was one day in the midst of the hurt and the confusion, I won't forget it was July the 1st. We went for a walk behind our house as a family and we, we went up to a rock that a year or so earlier, I had discovered up in the upper missionary in the burnout area, from the burnout from the devastating fires of 2003, was a rock that had a cross in it. And this became kind of a special place. And on that July 1st uh, afternoon, our family just spent some time there together praying and asking God to work through the hurt and through the confusion and through an uncertain future for us, not knowing where, what God would have next. As we left that little special time in that special area, we noticed all of the wildflowers that were growing there in that burnout area. And as our family is, we're rather competitive. Instead of just picking the flowers, we had to have a competition who would find the nicest bouquet, the boys against the girls. And you'll see some of these beautiful pictures here are the flower arrangements that we made there that day. And you look at that beauty from a burnout area. You look at that beauty that, that exists now in an area where it was all burnt out. And what does God's word remind us of in, in Isaiah 61? That he can bring beauty from the ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. What a living promise. From an area that devastated many and devastated the countryside, something beautiful can grow up from the ashes. And no matter what has happened in your life, in my life, how we've been wronged, how we've been hurt, how we've been offended, our God is a God who can bring beauty when we come to him for forgiveness on a daily basis, when we extend and we receive the forgiveness from others. He brings beautiful, beautiful, beautiful arrangements of people and opportunities and blessing into our lives, knowing that one day he will make everything new. One day he will set everything straight.
that one day every injustice will be made right, that one day it will all happen when we see him face to face as his children. But until then, he has given us the power through his spirit, the truth through his word, the body of believers to stand with us, to pray with us, to encourage, to support us, to remind us of the truths of God's word so that we will be faithful in coming to our God daily for forgiveness, daily forgive us our sins, and daily, God, help us to forgive others around us.